This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. One of these days, I will master the ability to complete a sentence. Scott Owen. Right, what would I know? I'm just the weekend host around here. And Adam Pace. Look, I think of what other choice you have. Starting now. Hello, everyone, and we are back on another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. It is James, Scott, and Adam with you on this Wednesday evening as the skies are very slowly clearing over our part of southeast Queensland, or at the very least mine. Very pleased to be with you on Clutch Radio and the A-League Live app as we are here to recap round two of the A-League men's season. Also offer a little bit of a teaser for our A-League women's season preview, which will be coming your way later this week with that competition on the verge of kicking off for season 21-22. But in the meantime, Scott, how are you? I'm good. Jazz, I feel like we need a new slogan up here. I think it's um, raining one day, pouring the next, isn't it? I thought it was beautiful one day, perfect the next, and this has been the day after, Adam. Yeah, uh, apparently the English cricket team reckon this is like London on the 1st of December. So, um, yeah, a bit, bit over the rain, but uh, yeah, I think in some places they did need it. Yes, so we can't really complain too much. The rain has been a very welcome uh, arrival, albeit probably not in the quantity it has in some places. But before we get into all of the footballing action from the A-League competition, uh, do the quick plugs. Brisbane Football Review at gmail.com. Facebook, The Raw Review. Twitter at BNE Football. On those social accounts, you can find live coverage of every senior Brisbane Raw match plus when the competition gets back underway in 2022, select National Premier League's fixtures as well. And the podcast is available on Wooshka, iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn. Feel free to leave a rating and review because I'm sure that will be beneficial to the display of the podcast in some way, shape or form. But I'm just a monkey with the microphone. I really don't know much about the uh, tech parts of it. And once again, very pleased to be bringing you the show on Clutch Radio. I'm trying to keep stalling because, I'll be completely honest, I'm not overly keen to uh, recap the Raw's Round 2 clash against Melbourne Victory down at Amy Park. It was a 3-0 defeat with an own goal from Kai Truen and Nick D'Agostino doubling the advantage either side of the half-hour mark before Ben Falami made it 3-0 just after half-time. Adam, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? That's really all I've got to say. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it's a, it wasn't, uh, after the performance, uh, last Friday week, you, we probably hoped for better, and I'm, I'm not sure if uh, it's a case of, are victory better than what we gave them credit for, or are the Raw, you know, are they sort of struggling at the moment? It's, it's hard to know, especially in round two, um, I think that that answer will come, you know, you know down the track. But yeah, it was a really mystifying performance. And look, if, if, if we're being brutal about it, it wasn't a good performance whatsoever. Yeah, I think with victory, at times question, are they really that good? We'll have to wait and see when they play teams in future. Because I don't think the, I don't think what they came up against on Sunday was a as a reflection of how good they could potentially be. I thought the rule were pretty ordinary, weren't they? On Sunday, there's no point glossing around it. I mean, they started off okay, but really the had possession, but they didn't really create. A tremendous amount with it, and we'll talk about the goals victory scored in a minute. But I think the phrase "schoolboy errors" has come up a few times this week, and that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it, James? It really was just not the performance anyone would have been hoping for. But back to what you said, Adam, and when we were discussing this earlier today, 
that that's the main reason I'm not too why I'm not pushing the panic button on the raw just yet. There are two reasons why I kind of feel like, you know, maybe this 0-2 start might be a little bit of a red herring towards a positive, because let's break it down, you know, Melbourne City, the reigning champions, Melbourne victory, there is every chance that you've just played the two best teams in Australia right now, and okay, well, you know, the you were run off the park in every way, shape, or form by the victory, you did push uh, City for most of that match, and up, and also, we'll get a bit of an answer on how much that day of game travel really did affect the squad. I'm not going to, you know, give them a complete pass because they had to fly down and back on, in the space of about 18 hours, or either side of playing a football game, but I just feel like in about four or five weeks, it's entirely likely that one of those two reasons we're going to be looking back and saying, oh yeah, that makes a whole lot more sense. Possibly, but you could also say if... If VAR did its job in week one, at Melbourne City would have one point or two points out of six. So it's very easy to say that they've started off really well, but I think Victory are looking like they might be a really strong team, James. So maybe maybe the result against Victory is, needs to be put in the basket of they played a really, really good side in their first home game of the season, the first game of the Tony Popovich era. It was always going to be a tough spot, and Victory came out and played really well. But I still think Brisbane did not play well in this game at all. Again, some of the some of the defensive mishaps that happened, it wasn't just the goals either. Some of the other chances that were given up to victory, they were very, very sloppy, I think. And that's something that needs to be stamped out because if chances like that continue to occur, James, you're going to concede goals every time. You can't leave players free in the box, for example. You can't keep turning the ball over in and around the, your defensive third. So they're things that need to be cleaned up. But, but I do think victory were quite good. Yeah, five, five goals reconceded in two games. And, and yeah, I've and probably a few more that were sort of, you know, blown chances. Um, yeah, it's defensively... I think for me the big problem is at the moment that it just shows how much this season that they were going to rely on Tom Aldred to be that, you know, be as forever the, the rock of the defence. You know, it was OK last season when you had a Macaulay Gillespie. You know, that was also in when he was fit, he could sort of take on that mailpiece. But you're asking uh, players like a um, Anton Milanic, you know, a Kai Truen, to sort of, you know, to be able to, you know, find the experience to be able to marshal that back line. There ain't so much that Scott Neville can do himself, and he's probably the experience, and also Jack Hingert and Corey Brown. So when you've got two young players playing together, um, yeah, like I said, as good as they are and good as they have been in the case of Tr- Kai Truen last year, he just had, he had a, um, a day to forget uh, poor Kai Truen, so... Um, that, which is not a reflection on how, how good he has been for last season. But, uh, yeah, there's uh, I, I think defensively, I think that's where the first problem is. Like there, There's also problems with you know, a lack of creativity on the attack side of things, but at the moment, it's the defence that's a real issue. And this is, at this point, there's a lot of young players out there, old players at the start of their careers, and this is where you need the senior players, James, to to stand up and lead the way. Now, obviously, they are missing Tom Aldra, but... There's still senior players out there on that field, James, that they need to, I think they need to do better. And a couple of them actually got subbed in the second half. So I think that's kind of an indication that maybe they weren't quite at the level on the day. And that's something where when you've got a young side, you need your senior players to really stand up. And so far, particularly on Sunday, it wasn't quite there. Yeah, I, I can't really highlight any overall positives from the Roar in that game. And it's not to single anyone out because you can evaluate just about every player's performance and go there's at least two or three things they all could have done better. And 
I'm sure I'm sure that they all know that as well. I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying that they just really weren't at the races. But we touched on this last week, and it is something I want to bring up again. The day of game travel. Now, again, I know you can only excuse so much. These guys are professional athletes and should be treated as such. But I do feel like traveling down for what is a three o'clock uh, kickoff on their like on the body clocks or four o'clock Melbourne time, that would have been a hell of a lot harder than playing the Friday night game because it do, it would have turned the day into uh, getting to the stadium into much more of a rush. And look, I know, I know like uh, you, in the build up uh, to the show, Scott, you were saying like, you're not going to give them that pass this week, but looking ahead, if they come out and blow doors off Adelaide, I'm not expecting them to, but if they come out and do that, do you give a little bit more weight to that possibility of maybe that travelling down for the afternoon uh, kickoff really did take a toll on them? I do think this one was probably harder than the, the first one. Because the first time it was a bit of a bit new. It was kind of new, maybe slightly exciting to try it out. But this week it was kind of, here we go again. Same day of travel. It was also because it was the earlier kickoff, James. It was probably... It was... They had to, they had to leave a lot earlier. It would have been a much earlier morning to get to Brisbane Airport, leave early. Get, I assume they have to get there at least three hours before the game to allow for any potential delays and all the rest of it. They would have had to be there by midday, which is 11 a.m. Brisbane time. So then you do the you work back from there to how long it takes to get down to Melbourne and all the rest of it. It would have been quite an early morning to get there. So I think this was more difficult in that sense. But I think they started better in this game. That was the thing that surprised me. The first game against Melbourne City, they were flat for 20 minutes. Then once they got going, they got better and better and better as the game went on. This game, it seemed like they got more and more sluggish and then maybe at the back end of the game the last 15 20 minutes when the subs were made it livened up a little bit but it's I don't know if it's you said I'm not giving them a pass for it it's just I don't like making excuses with things like this and we've seen teams do it before in all different sports so it can be done but it is difficult there's no doubt about it look I'm use the word mitigating circumstances I I tend to agree that that you know, for, for, for the game against Melbourne City, uh, being in being a night game, I think that was a little bit more conducive that, you know, where you, you couldn't really use it as an excuse. Whereas I think this time, and I think also as well, doing it again. Um, like, so if you, if you were to do this you know, once every, you know, every blue moon, then you know what? It's like, okay, we have to get ourselves up for this. And, the, and like I said, and you can mentally prepare for that. But then when you have to do it again, nine day, even nine days later, so sort of things start you know, creeping in the mind mentally. And like I said, with the even shorter turnaround as far as getting off the plane, you know, getting to the stadium, doing your doing all the routines that go do it. Um, look, I, I'm not going to make excuses and say, oh, that cost them the game, or that was the reason for the performance. But I think it, yeah, I think you have to bear that in mind. Then I think also as well, even though it's an own two start. It's certainly not fatal at the moment. There's been plenty of clubs, you know, over the years that have started 0 from 2 and have still sort of, you know, heavily featured, at least in the finals. I don't know what the record is about, you know, actually winning at all. And I think I'm sure Scott has the stats somewhere. But, um, but yeah, but it is a mitigating circumstance, I believe. Okay, Scott, we'll go to you. Oh, Adelaide United. They were bottom after eight, nine games, and they came to Brisbane and flogged the Raw and ended up winning the double that, that season. So it can certainly happen. The other thing I want to say, James, is the Raw got to do this again in two weeks. Don't forget, they're going to go back to Melbourne for another late afternoon game against Western United. So they might be getting sick of this same day travel. But they've got to do it again, unfortunately. 
But on that point, that is also where I completely side with the Raw in talking about just how ridiculous the early uh, season fixturing has been in terms of asking them to do this uh, level of travel three times in four weeks. I think we they said would... that last week, didn't we? Yeah, and I can compl- and looking at this performance, had they have been able to follow the standard travel guidelines, fly down the day before, spend the night in a hotel, do their normal match day prep on the day of game to get ready for kickoff without having to travel, I'd still feel like the victory would have won. Under normal circumstances, when they're playing that way, with Marco Rojas dominating the game, I honestly don't think the Raw would have had an answer for him. It might not have been 3-0. Maybe it finishes 2-1 or 3-1 or something. Maybe the Raw offer a little bit more resistance before, let's be honest, the best player on the pitch uh, had his say and uh, took care of business. But, yeah, anyway, that's really all you can say. Um, Scott... Can you find any sort of positive about this? I thought the subs when they came on were quite good, weren't they? Lascano looked reasonably good when he came on. I thought that um, Nick Olsen was quite lively as well playing. I think he played more on the right-hand side than the left, which was interesting, but he looked like he was trying to make things happen. So did Jesse Daly and Henry Hall when they came on. They added a bit of energy and mobility to the side. I think Henry Hall making those runs into the front third. They weren't quite all on the same wavelength as each other yet, but I thought they were they were the positive signs. The players who came off the bench looked to add something, but... When all four of those guys came on, James, the game was gone. So it made it a bit easier for them in terms of there was no pressure or expectation to try and change the game, but they were the, that would be where I'd be looking in terms of a positive. And Adam, it was the first sighting of uh, Juan Lascano since the FFA Cup round of 32 tie against Peninsula Power. Yeah, look, he was, he was serviceable. Um, obviously, he, it's gonna t- he's just coming back from injury or so getting over an injury, so it's obviously going to be a bit more time before you know he's starting and all that. But I also think as well, if we're, looking, we're talking about positives, um, Luke Ivanovic coming on at half-time, um, he, if he actually scores rather than hits the post in about about 48th minute, it's 2-1 momentum's actually with the raw. But then two minutes later, uh, Ben Falami's pretty much unmarked in the um, in the penalty area and heads heads home to make it three nil. Um, it's a that's a very very big swing that you know going from potentially two one to three nil. That's game on versus game over basically. Yeah, and that's pretty much where I look at it as well. I suppose you know seeing Lascano for me is a big takeaway as well. Is the fact that you know we did hear that he was close uh, for the city game, but just decided to be to play it safe considering you've got a long season and. You know, he got his first taste of uh, A-League action. Maybe in a, you know, not overly pressure-filled and the most intense environment, but it was enough for him to maybe just get a taste of uh, what's to come and hopefully we'll get to see him featuring uh, from the start, possibly as soon as this weekend as my dog decides to chime in as well and I'm assuming she's agreeing with me. Uh, 3 two, one Player of the Year votes. Who's doing that? I'll do it this week. It's a very, very slim picking for this one, so I'll take the bullet. But I'll go with, again, I thought the subs were the better players, so I took three for Luka Vanovic, two for Nick Olsen, and one for Juan Lascano. Yep, uh, and for those of you who may not be overly familiar with the Brisbane Football Review, this is the second season we're doing our A-League Player of the Season uh, for the men's and women's competitions. One of us will give our 3-2-1 votes uh, every every week all three of us will vote every week but we'll only announce one on the show and then at the end of the year we will uh, announce the final tallies and the winner last year it was Riku Danzaki taking out the trophy and 
Joey Chance, to the surprise of quite a few people, actually finished high up in the voting as well, but, well, that's how the 3-2-1s go. Chance had quite a few good games where he racked up the points. The final note on this game, it did also mark the debut of Henry Hoare, player number 190 for the Raw in the men's team. Eighth debutante this season, and those stats are all courtesy of Scott Owen Priority Limited. It's a business now, is it? Sure. I wasn't aware of this. <laughs> I should check this out. Basically, basically, Scott has all sorts of spreadsheets uh, on stats for the raw and uh, local football. He's kind of, kind of like the southeast Queensland Andy Howe. I've... No, he's just a nerd. <laughs> I, I was, I was going to say when Andy Howe actually does uh, retire, whenever that is, he might, he might give Scotty the um, the stato uh, part of the hand, the Twitter handle. And have you should... seen some of the stats that guy collects? There's no way I have the time or the patience to do any of that. I didn't and we say should it also point out, Scott. To fill. Yes, you do. Like you have actually kept records for every senior Brisbane Raw match that's ever been played, haven't you? I have, and quite a lot for uh, NPL as well. I try. One some of, the... of those are much more hard to keep up with, but yeah. Yeah, for reasons largely out of our control, but we'll leave that as. Uh, as it is, a quick run-through of the other results for Round 2. Friday, John Aloisi got his first A-League men's win for Western United. Dylan Wenzel-Halls popped up for a late winner. Saturday, Wellington won at their home away from home. 2-1 over the Mariners. City blew a two-goal lead against Adelaide United. MacArthur, that was the surprise of the season so far. 1-0 over Sydney FC. And after the Raw played... We had possibly the game of the season thus far, with the Jets and Wanderers playing out a very entertaining 2-2 draw. Scott, what was your standout? Well, I was fed up with football on Sunday afternoon, so I didn't get to see any of Western Sydney against Newcastle, unfortunately. So I might have to look at that if you think it's one of the games of the year. But I did watch the game between MacArthur and Sydney FC, and this was really, really instructive. I think... I'm not sure what it is with Sydney. It does seem like they're not quite right at the moment. A couple of players who were injured. Ninkovic went off with a bit of a knee injury. and They huffed and they puffed a lot, Sydney, but they were not able to create the sort of chance which you would expect of the Sydney FC side over the last few years. I guess it's better to say they are creating the exact same chances they have over the last few years, and teams are now better equipped to dealing with that, and they're not able to find a different way of playing against teams when they come up against them. So... I think Sydney might need to reevaluate what they're doing, but MacArthur looked really, really good. They were really solid. They were committed, and it was—it wasn't even the big names you expect. It wasn't even Davila who was doing all the damage. He had a relatively quiet game by his standards, but they were still far and away better than Sydney FC. So I think there's some work to do for Steve Corica and company in the Harbour City. And just on that quickly, you know what it actually did kind of remind me of during the Postacoglu Raw era when they were just battering teams week after week. It kind of reminded me of how Graham Arnold, for a little period there, actually worked out the way to frustrate those Raw teams, even though, like, I don't think it's disrespectful to say the Raw had a much better team on paper, but Arnold actually, you know, found a way to stifle them and uh, force their chances away. Adam? A dead clock is right twice a day, James. (laughs) (laughs) Adam? Yeah, look, um... I think it's uh, very interesting that, uh, yeah, I, I'm on sort of a similar theme that, um, yeah, the Sydney teams, if you don't include MacArthur, not going so well at the moment. Um, yeah, it's uh, a case of, um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, of, um, yeah, Sydney FC not firing at the moment. Um, a few key injuries, and even Western 
Western Sydney Wanderers. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, they might there might be uh, a bit of turmoil as far as uh, Carl Robinson's job security. I think and they need to they need to really sort of um, turn it around soon. Two two draws is not the end of the world, but uh, but yeah, they might might if they sort of start dropping a few games, there might be trouble there. It's not. It's also we mentioned in the season preview, James. There's going to be pressure on Carl Robinson immediately to get results. It's a, it's a high power squad, and there's expectations there, at at Combank Stadium to deliver after four years out of the finals or whatever it's been. So, it's time they deliver. And so far, Adam's right. They're not firing at the moment. Neither of the two Sydney teams are. Although to to be fair, I've kind of uh, learned not to rule out Sydney FC uh, too early. They're kind of like Lions in the NPL. <laughs> Just much more frustrating than lines. We don't we don't rule out anybody at the moment. Even Wellington um, might be a little bit better than what we gave them credit for in our predictions. I'll rule out New Zealand Knights. Is that okay? Yeah, we'll give you that. Um, speaking of the NPL and Lions, we normally try and keep this uh, show A League focused, but uh, we have been we have had drawn to our attention a little bit of NPL transfer news this evening that is uh, seismic enough to. I would say justify a uh, mention on the regular podcast, Scott. There's a bit of yes. a move afoot. Yes, the uh, go- the perennial Golden Boot winner Andy Pangeli is reportedly on his way from the northern side of Brisbane at Peninsula Power to the Gold Lions. So that will make the two-time defending NPL Queensland champions just that little bit stronger. Adam? And I might just go put my money on Andy Pengele to win another golden boot if he's going to end up there. Responsibly, uh, I was, was going to say, can someone go to Richmond and check and see if the gold line is still at the front of that club? They may <laughs> need to belt it down to pay for him. So, um, but in all seriousness, um, yeah, that is, that is a huge signing. And also as well with other signings that have um, sort of occurred that, you know, up, up here at the moment. Uh, Peninsula Power, the two-time defending um, premiers, they're going to look very, very different. And uh, they seem to be at the moment uh, going around raiding uh, Sunshine Coast Wanderers. So it's uh, there's plenty of activity up here at the moment. But uh, yeah, in, without the uh, MPL Sunday show at the moment, this is probably our only platform to uh, sell the news. Well, they haven't got Luke Boring at lines anymore, so maybe with the money they're saving on lollipops and beanies for Boring, they're able to bring in Pengeli. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> I I actually uh, heard that the gold line was actually being melted down and turned into the golden Pengeli. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll go on to a bit more of our national news discussion and uh, whatnot around the A-Leagues, and... I just found uh, an interesting little note on this uh, site, footballreference.com. I normally use it for NFL, but they have a round ball football section as well, fbref.com. Can you guys tell me, there are two clubs with the lowest average age of players used so far in this season through two rounds. I'll give you both a guess. Adam, you can go first. Can you name one of them? Uh, I'm going to go with... Oh, jeez. I'm going to go with Adelaide. Scott? I'm going to guess Wellington's one of them. Yes. Uh, Wellington has an average age of 25.6 across the 16 players that they have used to date. The other one is either Central Coast or Brisbane. I'll say it's the Mariners. And you'd be wrong. Is it Brisbane? Yes. Okay. Brisbane. It was a 50-50 guess. <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah, Wellington and Brisbane so far have the two youngest uh, squads used. The Raw 18 players... 
used in games. 25.6 is the average age alongside uh, Wellington. Newcastle and the Mariners have an average age of 26. The oldest squad is Western United with an average age of 30.8 across their 15 oh, players used. I'm well, shocked. It's not, well, at least it's not 34 or whatever it was that their, their former... That, uh, the current coach there had a, a Give it two club. years. Yeah. Although, to be fair, like, that is a fair... Like, that is a fairly heavily weighted thing when you've got a 37-year-old goalkeeper. Um, Diamante would be in his late 30s as well, wouldn't he? 37, yeah. 37, 38? Like, you've got a couple... Of... Stanley would be up there too. Yeah, so it is a fairly top-heavy number overall, especially when uh, you've only used 15 players. But, yeah, that was uh, something that... Yeah, that was something that uh, just jumped out at me when I was looking through the numbers for this weekend. Now, we have to keep uh, going back to it because it was another interesting weekend for Paramount+. Plus. Adam, how was your streaming experience? My streaming is fine. I, I honestly... Um, look, I'm not saying any people are liars or anything like that, but um, all the games I saw, my streaming is fine, so I must be lucky. Um, I, I will, as a matter of disclosure, I will also say that I stream Paramount Plus using Apple TV Generation 4. So, um, so yeah, so I've, like I said, I've got a pretty decent internet connection here at my place. So, um, yeah, I don't have any problems with it. But, uh, look, I'm not saying that's the norm. That I'm probably uh, very fortunate that I do have the technology available to be able to watch it fine. Uh, but I, I can sort of understand why there's issues. But um, the one thing I will say is that you just got to remember that with live streaming, and that be it, be it Paramount Plus, be it Stan, be it Netflix, be it whatever, uh, your your vision is only as good as your internet connection the, and the technology you have available that it has. So you, you can't expect you know a gold standard because uh, otherwise you're just going to be frustrated. I I yeah I generally streaming it at home through the Apple TV 4K uh, that we've got. And for the most part, it has been fine. I have had a few issues when like, my wife will be watching a video on her phone and I'll be checking something as well, like Twitter or something during the game. But it does appear like I'm in the minority. However, you know, I get the feeling that at least some of the issues that have been uh, popping up may, may be down to just, let's be honest, a pretty average internet setup here in Australia. Although that being said, like I'm, when Paramount Plus is sending out apologies on their account, not I'm going to believe them. However, on Sunday when they did say uh, switch over to the uh, Wanderers Jets stream instead of the match day Sunday one because the picture quality wasn't working, my picture quality was fine, and that was at my in-laws' place as well. So, yeah, it's it's a work in progress. I think that's the delicate way to describe it, Scott. It is, and it's working fine for me as well, although I only watched a couple of games over the weekend and two of those were on Network 10, so I only watched really the Raw game on the stream this this weekend, So and that worked fine for me as well, so I'm, guess I'm fortunate as well, although I will say uh, my vision seems to be close to about a minute behind, so maybe, maybe that's an issue, but that's watching through the website and connecting to the TV, so that might be an issue for me, but in terms of what, they, what they're offering, I think they've got to look at there's a few things they could do which I think would make things a lot easier. A rewind function would be really, really helpful for people, I think. Because that seems to be something which should be able to be done quite readily available because most streaming platforms have that. And also, the ability, if you're late to the game, James, to be able to just to hit a button and say, I'm going to watch it from the start instead of waiting for them to upload it. I think 
little things like that they can probably do over the next couple of weeks to improve the viewing experience. But I think again, Adam's Adam's right about the quality of streaming issues. If you've got, you got to make sure your internet's up to standard and stuff. So it's a it's a new world we're all moving into. But I think it's going to take some time for people. But Paramount, I think. Look, we knew it wasn't going to be perfect from day one, was it? No, it never was. And on those points, like, yeah, any, on the streaming delay, anyone who has watched uh, sports streaming, be it, you know, Optus, NFL Game Pass, NHL TV, or NHL on ESPN now, uh, Premier League on Optus, whatever, even KO, there is going to be some level of streaming delay. And on Adam's point, that's basically down to your internet connection. Uh, I, like, when... I'm at work. We've got the NFL on the TV. My Game Pass stream on my computer is usually one or two plays behind, but that's just down to the nature of the um, NFL Game Pass product. Similarly, if you want a really bad user experience, <laughs> NHL on ESPN thus far this season has been far and away it's the worst. Terrible. It, it is awful. There is no go back and start uh, from the beginning thing. There's no rewind function. And this is from the self-proclaimed worldwide leader in sports. Not a company that is just starting up uh, live sports streaming as well. And I, I know, you know, it's amazing how many people are willing to go back to the Foxtel monopoly now just for the sake of ease. But the one thing that I would like to uh, be able to do, and this is one thing that the NFL has, uh, like with their apps and uh, team sites and stuff... Their, up, their score updates aren't instantaneous the way that they are off something like Flash Score or Football 24 or whatever. So watching the Patriots game on Monday against Tennessee, I didn't get the touchdown updates until after the kickoff, even on the streaming delay. So maybe that's something that, you know, you might have to try and do. Turn off the notifications on your phone. and But yeah, you're absolutely right. The start from the beginning and the rewind button are two things that desperately need to be added because there's too much pressure now especially now you know with the foxtel rewind buttons to start from the beginning i think we've myself included we've all become a little bit complacent with some of the luxuries that maybe you might have taken for granted uh compared to what it was at the start of the a-league when it was be there for kickoff or else First, you didn't want to tell the story so you could talk about the patriots beating tennessee so congratulations on, on weaving that Woo-hoo! into the show but the similar thing is on Optus, is it not? Where they have that function, if you miss kickoff by 5-10 minutes, you can watch the game as... As if live, On a 10-minute yes. delay, but you basically just rewind to the start, right? Yeah. Just about every just about every streaming platform has a KO, Game Pass, um, yeah, everything but NHL on ESPN, which, again, I know, you know, hockey fans in Australia are a much smaller group, but if they were as vocal as uh, some of the people on soccer Twitter, then there's a chance that ESPN head office would have been burnt down by now. Because that, that product is, like, borderline unusable. So, oh, they, they, should, they shouldn't have sold out. Yeah, well, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that one of the many, many issues I have with ESPN as a company, but we don't have time to go into that now. You can just read my Ooh, no, we don't. journalism product on that. Anyway... Yeah, so that's Paramount Plus. Look, it's not perfect, but there's also not a whole lot you can really do other than just keep giving them, I suppose, measured feedback. Having been on the end of an account when uh, of a corporate account when things haven't worked, I'll tell you what: some people are real pricks when they don't get what they want. 
So it might just be worth remembering that, yes, okay, you're not happy with your stream uh, operating the way you'd like it to, but you're also not uh, going and yelling at the person on Twitter who is actually responsible for that. Just, just putting it out there. All right, I'll delete my burner account to stop messaging you and your corporate account. Okay, Ole rules 35764231. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> he does rule. <laughs> rules the Norwegian League. Yes, he's at he's at the wheel of an Uber right now because he's got to make ends meet. Okay, moving on. We did have some national team action over the last couple of days with the Matildas taking on the USA. Game one didn't get off to a great start with the Matildas trailing inside 30 seconds in what turned out to be a 3-0 defeat before game two finished 1-1 in Newcastle last night. Kaya Simon... Uh, showing that Spurs haven't completely ruined her as a player just yet. And she scored the equalising goal. Now, first things first, I want to clarify, you know, I believe in equality across the men's and women's national teams, and I'll say there's only so much you can take from these friendlies, which are, for all intents and purposes, just fundraising exercises for um, Football Australia at the moment to make up for what has been a fairly rough 18 plus months due to the pandemic Scott defensive depth how worried are you Uh, very to be brutally honest I think Courtney Evans an okay defensive option but when Tony Gustafson doesn't have Claire Polkman and Alana Kennedy at his disposal we're short centre backs it's as simple as that I mean I'm yet to see a centre back come into that side and really flourish I mean Nevin was okay but really they're short centre-backs, aren't they? They've tried a few, but it's just not working. The one I don't understand is, where is Jenna McCormick in all of this? Last time I heard Jenna was playing in Denmark and playing regularly, so is she injured? Is What's the deal there? Because I would have thought a centre-back playing in Denmark regularly, James, would be somebody who you would want to have a look at in terms of the national team. And she's got experience as well, both in terms of regular playing league football and also played a few games for the national team. So I would have thought that would be an obvious one, but defensively, yeah, there's still some work to be done there. For whatever the circumstances that why Claire Polkinghorne and Alana Gandy both missed uh, that the, um, the game on Saturday, um, well, I think we all knew very, very early on, I think inside 24 seconds to be precise, that the pairing of uh, Jessica Nash and Courtney Nevin was not going to end very well, and it didn't. Um, look, and that's no disrespect to uh, those to those young players who I'm sure one day will, you know, will actually you know, will, will be much better for the experience. But um, yeah, that's all sorts of pressure, and that, that sort of does that, that's going to be the red flag as far as the defensive depth. And you know, what what is Tony Gustafson and all like and all the coaching staff, all the scouts and whatnot doing as far as finding experienced defenders. You can't rely on Claire Polkinghorn. Well, what what if what if she goes down with an injury, you know, during the league season in Sweden or Alana Candy gets, you know, injured? You know, what do you, what do you do then? You know, I'm I'm actually surprised but that in that situation that and maybe maybe in a tournament situation, maybe it will be a different story, is that I thought maybe they'd go, oh Steph Catley and um and Ellie Carpenter would go into centre back Rather than sort of you know, leaving him out on in the fullback position, so look, um, 
yeah, it was never going to end well. And like I said, it was quite embarrassing almost that, you know, it was from a defensive error. It wasn't like uh, uh, Ashley Hatch did anything other than be there and put the ball past uh, Tegan Maiko. Like, it was a really, really soft goal to concede. And you can rinse and repeat for the first goal last night in Newcastle as well. It was a very, very simple finish for her there as well. But two points on that. I think you're right about um, the, the two centre-backs we played on Saturday, Nevin and Nash, potentially long-term will benefit from this. But if the aim was for them to play against Team USA, surely you, you play them against Brazil, which would have been a, a, a more easy option or easier path into international football to get your feet wet at that level, right? So you would have, I would have thought that playing them in that game would have been a more prudent idea and then maybe play them once against Team USA and then have your best centre-back pairing in there for a game as well. So, but maybe there's reasons why that couldn't happen. Who knows? But the other thing is, Adam mentioned the idea of maybe playing Catley and uh, Carpenter, at some, and I'm a big no on that. Me they too. are excellent fullbacks. They are really good at getting forward, and they can defend well in wide areas. I think we've seen in the past, when they play in the central areas of defence, that's where things tend to go wrong. You think back to Ellie Carpenter played at centre-back in the game in, in Tokyo and got a red card. So I think, to me, they can maybe fill in there for five, ten minutes here and there, but... They are full-backs and not, and not centre-backs. I think we need to find specialist centre-backs going forward. And at the Asian Cup, if Kennedy and Polkinghorne aren't fit for any, any of the games, there's a question mark over who fills in and, and what that looks like. And that's a that's be interesting to follow in January. Yeah, just, just, to, just to, sorry to clarify you know. that, the point, I'm not, I'm not suggesting they, they start there, but in an emergency situation, because it sounds like that... Both Polkinghorne and Candy were withdrawn at the last. I I couldn't imagine for a second that the the plan was going to that first game was for Nash and Nevin to start. And if it was, that is that is just yeah insane. So yeah. I think maybe in an emergency, emergency situation, I just wouldn't. The point I'm making is I just would have thrown the two young girls in there, throw them to the wolves against against the what the world number one team. That's that's all. Like I said, I'm, and I'm just throwing out there, you know, Carpenter and Catley. Look, Van Egmond could probably go on back there as well. Um, I'm just saying that, yeah, I, I personally would not have thrown the two girls I have two caps between them uh, out there to start in game one. And that just circles back to the original point. Where's the defensive depth? You just don't, you need to wonder where it is. In terms of, you know, finding the experienced options, big picture... I don't mind throwing them in in a friendly. Because, again, you know, they only count for so much. World rankings, whoop-de-doo. I just, yeah. I, that, I mean, that's also one of those times where, you know, you might have to defer to the manager if there was a bit more evidence in terms of what he might have said to them before the game, even. For, like, the way I look at it, if he had said, look, it's a friendly, we're not playing for a trophy, an Olympic medal, or anything... Let's just go out and see what you've got. It's a pressure. It's as pressure-free of an environment as you're going to get to learn on the job. That being said, throwing the two of them out together still seems like a massive risk, especially you know when you've got two fullbacks who, you know, to their credit, can attack at at will and uh, yeah, possibly leave them exposed. And you also had a relatively young goalkeeper behind them as well with Tegan Marker, who's still just making her way to the start of her international career. So maybe. You could have flipped the goalkeeper. Maybe Liddy Williams plays game one behind the two younger centre-backs and Tegan Micah plays the second game. So I think there was a lack of experience in the back third, James, on Saturday. And I think Team USA explored that rather ruthlessly, even though they were also 
fielding a, fair, a few new players, but their their new players are much more seasoned players from the NWSL and college system, so they were ready to go. And we saw that there's anyone expecting a drop off from Team USA without the likes of Carly Lloyd? Think again, because they've got another great wave of players coming through. Yeah, and that's where we will have to leave the national teams recap. However, we've got a lot more women's football coming your way on the Brisbane Football Review. We will have our A-League women's season preview, including interview, including a press conference with the new captain of the Brisbane Raw side, and also Gareth McPherson. We're recording that one straight after this, and that will be out on Thursday. So tune into the podcast feed for that as we break down the upcoming A-League women's season. Now... We should also uh, get part three underway with a little bit of an asterisk saying that uh, we hope the weather is cooperative for Saturday afternoon at Morton Daly Stadium as we have had a deluge of rain and we do know Morton Daly Stadium doesn't drain as well as Suncorp. However, it's the first home game of the new season for the Raw and they'll take on Adelaide who they played in their last home game of the previous season. Hey, how about that? And it will be the fifth time the Raw have played Adelaide in their home opener. Bad news. haven't actually won any of those games. So, Scott, what are you looking for on Saturday afternoon? It's a four o'clock uh, kickoff time for Brisbane. Well, first of all, I'm hoping that the game goes ahead because there has been a fair amount of rain up here in South East Queensland over the last few days and hopefully Morton does the same, can hold up and we can get the game underway. But if the game does get underway, James, I want to see more attacking intent from the Raw from minute one. Obviously, they're at home this week in front of their own fans. They haven't had to travel and all those issues, so they should be able to prepare pretty well for this game. I'm looking for some attacking intent. I'm pretty sure there'll be a couple of changes. to We didn't mention it, but Cyrus Demi didn't have his best game, it's fair to say. James, I think Luke Ivanovic, if he's can play 45 minutes last week, I'm pretty sure he can play at least 60 to 65 this week. So, I'm, so I would imagine he'll come into the starting lineup at the very least. So I'm looking for more attacking intent from the Raw this weekend. Adam? Yeah, look, I think it's redemption time for the Raw. I think we're going to find out a lot where they're actually at. No, no more excuses about about you know, travelling or that. This is the first home game. Uh, the Raw, the uh, fans have been waiting now um, at, le- at least two weeks since the season started to actually see the team at home. And you would expect that they uh, come out for, with a, um, a strong showing. Uh, as far as the weather goes, uh, yeah, it could be, could be a heavy pitch. If it does happen, I'm pretty confident it will. Uh, I think I think the worst of the rain ha- has now passed. So, so yeah, I think I think it, it is all go. But yeah, it might be yeah, it might be a heavy track. I don't know if it'll be as heavy as that Wellington game uh, last season. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I still think it's going to be a, a heavy track. But uh, look, Adelaide got playing that as well. So uh, who knows? Yes, looking at the weather forecast, I think. Uh any possible proclamations of uh, cancellation or postponement may be a little bit dramatic since we are allegedly forecast to have zero to one millimetre of rain between now and Saturday. So, that's good news. Are they doing same-day travel, Adelaide, or are they here the day before? I think based on the border restrictions, and Adam, you may know more on this than I do, but I'm pretty sure they're able to come in without any form of quarantine. No, they're fine. They're fine. It's not... um... Adelaide, Adelaide's not a hotspot, so um, unless 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 there's cases that pop up in the next uh, 48 hours, uh, yeah, they'll they'll come up and they'll they'll uh, 
they'll uh, be able to do their normal routine, which uh, is a bit of a bugger because you want to hope that you, know, you try to get any advantage, but but yeah. Just have to make do, I suppose. Uh, yeah, for the Raw, change is basically the operative word. Lascano, I feel like you've got to give him uh, the chance from the outset. Nothing against Cyrus Demi, but let's face it, this is a guy who is still very much a product, product in development, and it's probably been asking a little bit much of him in his current uh, state as a player to try and carry the attack from the outset. I would also consider, I said this last week, uh, Luke Ivanovic and Mi- Nikola Miliuznic swapping roles, starting Ivanovic and letting Miliuznic's pace come off the bench. And I don't really necessarily want to advocate for benching one of Jack Hingott or Corey Brown, but I want to see Nick Olsen get involved somehow. He looks lively in his limited play so far. Um, it seems like he's got, you know, a bunch, like he's quite fit uh, in that last preseason hit out, I think. Oh, second last preseason hit out against the Invitational 11. He actually played 90 minutes, 60 for the Invitational 11, 30 for the Raw. Such is his uh, ability to get minutes in the legs. It was not confusing at all seeing him running around with the uh, socks for the Invitational 11 in the Raw kit. But yeah, I want to see him try and get a run in there as well. And as tempting as it is to you know, call for Jordan Holmes, I'll give Macklin Freak another week because I don't think... The goals that he's been beaten on have really had anything to do with him. It seems like that would be a case of scapegoating. However, defensively, I do wonder if we might see uh, Warren Moon say, forget it, we're at home, we're going on the attack, let's go for a back four and really push for it. Because you can make that change uh, with just one little tinker as well. So that could be something else that we're looking for um, this week. Scott? I think back four might be the way to go. If Tom Aldred is not fit and ready to return, I think back four could very well be the way to go in that way to get more bodies in the front. I think your idea of Oscano and Ivanovic is interesting as well. I think that could work quite well for the Raw. But I think I think, it, I think that if you go to a back four, you've got the extra player in the front third, so you could put Ivanovic, Oscano and Mila Ilsenich in the front third, so you can still keep one of those pacey players up in the front third as well as those two. So... Maybe that's the way you go, 4-3-3 with those three up top. You never know. There are plenty of options. Um, Adam, what's going... Actually, no, before we do uh, the predictions, some of the other games this weekend, Friday, Wellington, Western Sydney, Saturday, after the Roar, it's the doubleheader, Melbourne City, Western United, and Sydney versus Newcastle. Sunday, MacArthur taking on Central Coast and Melbourne victory against Perth in the first of the Popovich derbies for the season. Scott, which game are you most looking forward to? Oh, you've caught me on the hop there. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what Western Sydney can do. I think they're going to have to win. A, they're going to have to to win this game on Friday night because, as you mentioned, Carl Robinson is under pressure, and I think if they don't win this game, that pressure is only going to mount. So I think they need to come up with a positive response against what is a pretty good Wellington side down there in Wollongong. So. I think that, that's that's one to watch. If they don't win that game, the pressure's going to rise. Adam? Uh, look, my, my game to watch actually is going to be Melbourne victory in Perth because even though these two sides met uh, in the FFA Cup, I can guarantee you not one player will be actually backing up from that. <laughs> so, Or maybe Marco Rojas will be the only one. So um, pretty much forget any... Even though they, they played uh, seven 
seven days ago. It'll be uh, 11 days since once that game kicks off. Um, there's absolutely no formula on that. But I'll be interested to see how our per Perth do go as they continue on there so they're wandering while they're basically locked out of their own state. Yeah, and that's... And I also want to know how good victory are. And that will be uh, very interesting as well, how uh, big of a role Daniel Sturridge will play. One thing I actually didn't get to discuss last week, um, start with you, Adam. What do you make of the uh, simultaneous fixtures on Saturday night? Um, look, I don't mind it. I don't, I don't mind it at all. I think it's the, it's, it's the way it is. Um, yeah, like I said, you, you, you either choose to watch the uh, Channel 10 game or if your team is playing in there, you watch, watch on Paramount+. Plus. Scott, what about you? I like it. It was quite out for this for a while, haven't we? It's more kickoffs in that primetime Saturday night window. Not necessarily for television reasons, but for fan and attendance reasons. It's the prime time to have a sporting event, isn't it? That Saturday window, somewhere between 6.30 and 7.45 kickoff time. It's it's when it makes it easiest for people to go. I'm happy to have more games in that window. And I think the fact that you can watch one on Channel 10 and Dan's point, if your team's playing, go and watch your team on Paramount Plus, it's fine. I like it. Yeah, it's on a 4 p.m. game on a on a hot summer Saturday afternoon where it's too where the heat and humidity is clearly affecting the play. It's much more, it's much better than that, isn't it? Surely, like the raw kicking off at four o'clock on a hot and humid Saturday afternoon against Adelaide. Hey, we might be using that to advantage. Very true, but yeah, I I have you seen the weather outside? By the way, it's neither hot or humid. Oh, it's very humid. (laughs) But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I I'm happy with it as well. I think it's something that. You know, eventually was going to be an inevitability uh, whether this came um, came about in the in the form of a second division or just a league men's expansion, because you're not going to be able to find eight unique kickoff windows in the weekend as well, short of going to uh, Thursday, uh, Monday, or basically having a midday kickoff somewhere, which I don't think anyone wants for a summer competition. And these overlapping kickoffs are only going to be exacerbated when the Adelaide women's kicks off this weekend, James, because you're not going to get in not unique kickoff times for those games. So there's going to be multiple games kicking off at the same time, pretty much all the time. Yeah. I, I just say to those, especially to those Euro snobs out there that are carrying on about that, is I don't see them complaining for a hundred and something years um, in in England or wherever that uh, you have three o'clock kickoffs on a Saturday. And in fact, you don't have. Um, in, in yeah, up until like recent times, they weren't, in, they weren't even allowed to broadcast games at Saturday three o'clock. So, I'm pretty sure that blackout is actually back in place now as well. It's still in effect in the UK, isn't it? Because they always whinge when those mid those three three pm games involve the big Premier League clubs. I'm pretty sure they again. This is just now me talking off the top of my head, so I could just be pulling it out of my you know where. But uh, I'm pretty sure they actually uh, lifted that when fans couldn't go to the Premier League stadiums. Yeah. But they also got rid of the simultaneous kickoffs because, well, you're all watching it on TV anyway. At what point did it matter? Because heat really isn't an issue in England either. It was a television show, really. It, oh, it was, and that was well. That was why they kept playing through it all was basically to satisfy the TV contracts, and also, thankfully, uh, to give us something to escape with, even if it was really depressing watching Manchester City win again. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Nice little digression. Back to the raw, Scott. What are you going to be talking about yes. this week? Or this time next I really week? Hope I really hope we're talking about a better Brisbane Raw performance and hopefully a win at home. I hope, I think, I hope that's what's going to happen, but Adelaide have got a really good record up here in Brisbane and they're, it's sneaky good. And I, 
I think this might be a draw. Adam, what are we going to be talking about? Raw will pick up their first point of the season. I'm going to have to be the uh, massive pessimist here and say that until the Raw actually show that the first two performances were anomalies, we're going to be talking about the Raw slumping to an 0-3 start to the season. It's Adelaide uh, proved to be just too good. Now, before we wrap up, Scott, you've got one final stat to hopefully send us out on a slightly more positive note than what I just uh, left us with. Well, if what you said comes true, James, this has happened once before. 2017-18, the Raw did lose their first three games of the A-League men's season, and they finished sixth, and then lost to Melbourne City in the first week of the finals. So it's not all all over doom and gloom if they don't win the game on Saturday. They have recovered from three straight losses to start the season, but it will be a very, very difficult road, no doubt about that. And, okay, one final bit of trivia on that Melbourne City elimination final loss. Do either of you remember what major footballing news was announced about an hour before that Raw City final kicked off? Uh, I know. All I remember that night is that we all went to the pig and whistle and watched the game. Yes, and I believe you were... That's what I remember. Yeah. It, was a, it was national team related, wasn't it? It was not. Adam, you, I believe we were grilled when the announcement came oh, yes. through. And I saw it on Twitter. Oh, jeez. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, you have to tell otherwise I'll be wasting yeah. valuable seconds thinking. Yeah, and uh, I think we do need to wrap this up and get on to the A-League women's uh, season preview. It was the news that Arsene Wenger would be leaving Arsenal. Ah. Yes. And haven't things gone in, a, in an upward trajectory since then, James? <laughs> yes, we love Mikel Arteta. Anyway, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. If you don't love Mikel Arteta, Ollie's available. <laughs> really, no. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, and, yeah, but you can have Rafa ahead of the derby tomorrow. But thanks, guys. <laughs> All right, thank you, everyone, for tuning in, be it through Clutch uh, Podcast or A-League Live. Been a pleasure to bring you this recap of the week that was here for the Raw and Southeast Queensland football. We'll be back with our A League Women's season preview. Stay tuned on the podcast feeds for that. And we'll be back next Wednesday to recap it all once again on the Brisbane Football Review.